Amen, amen. Is that what you're living for? That's what I'm living for. Nobody but Jesus. Let's open the Word of God to Romans 10. We're going to read 14 through 21, Romans 10. If there's someone here that does not have the Word of God in front of them uh, and would like that, raise your hand and... Uh, we will have a friend of ours, Bob, go and bring you a Bible. Yeah. Romans 10. Romans 10, 14 through 21. Way to be bowed down there, Ryan. <laughs> It just was a practice of humility before y'all, so you'd see that. Yes, so I've, uh, I don't know what you reflect on uh, in your weeks, um, but uh, I've been reflecting on Romans 10 a bit this week in the first part last week, um, where the Lord was speaking to my heart as I'm praying. He was speaking to yours during the service, um, and uh, we had a privilege and honor to share the gospel this week with a new friend, Sue and I did. And I just reflect on the fact that um, it, is, it is such an, an amazing, um, um, what do I want to say? But just like um, event in, 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 on the earth when the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in the light of a human heart. And, and just that just that amazing impact. It's not like reading an old novel or, a, or, or you know, just an old book that somebody wrote that is the classics of old. It, it is, it, it's, it's the living word coming in the presence of a living heart. And honestly, it is, it is amazing that impact that happens. Um, and as I said last week, you know, we as humans... Um, will go and do almost everything possible um, on our own strength, but totally miss and oppose the receiving of that free gift of Jesus Christ. But the free gift is given in the light of our prideful heart that, that pushes back at, I need to just receive that gift. There's nothing I can do for it. There's nothing I can be for it. It's, it's absolutely just a total surrender of the heart in the presence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just the pride of I'm everything and the pride of I'm nothing can halt that, that moment of the risen Savior rising in your heart and, uh, and God moving you from the law to life from trying to do it yourself and trying to get it right to the life of, that has already been gotten right in Jesus Christ. And of course, that's the picture of the religious leaders that were coming after Paul, the Judaizers that kept running after him, um, but also came against Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. In him is true righteousness. In him is the summary of the law and the prophets. Everything that was written before was written about him. And the very law that the Judaizers are saying they were protecting, they were breaking in their own lives. 
And so as we come uh, to Romans 10, we come uh, to this last part, this last seven verses, just encouraging us to become part of that supernatural um, event in, in human history in which the gospel of Jesus Christ touches the heart of a human being and changes them. And so how does that happen? How does that happen? What is the power of that spoken word? And so let us read, starting with verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. But ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you, excuse me, did they not hear, verse 18 says. But of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Again, I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Hmm. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Let's pray together. Father, as we come forward into your word, I just pray that your spirit will come and will. You've told us that your, your spirit is a spirit of truth, that your spirit was a spirit that would guide us, that your spirit um, would speak into all of the hearts that are being moved to follow you. And so, Father, I just pray for anointing of that today. I pray that, Lord, you'll work mightily within each one of us, that Father will not be offended by the voice of the speaker or even allow ourselves just to listen to the voice of the speaker, but that, Father, we will listen to your voice for you desire to speak to each one of our hearts. I know in the midst of us, of a group this size, there are things that are going on that are trying to distract, that are trying to say, um, there's un injustice in my life, my relationship isn't the way that it should be, on and on and on and on the voice goes. But Heavenly Father, may we hear from you today that our hearts will be inspired to desire to tell the world about Jesus. We love you and we trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we think about how the gospel moves a heart from law to life, we must ask ourselves, how does this happen? 
How does this happen? And as we've read in this verse, there is these, this lineup from 14 to 15 that talks about the, uh, how then can they call on the one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? There's a commentator that says this, if God did not send preachers, no one could hear. If no one could hear, no one could believe. If no one could believe, no one could call on the Lord. And if no one called on him, no one could be saved. The Lord is our first cause. The Lord is the one that's moving. The Lord is the one that calls the preacher to preach. This addresses two truths. First of all, if believing does not lead us to call out to God for salvation, then believing is only an intellectual treatise, and it's not real in our life. Are you calling out to Jesus? Second, if our hearts aren't moved to tell people about the Jesus we claim to know, then our knowledge is not based on the gospel, but on a religion like the Pharisees. God is raising up a people so that we go out and make disciples. Now, I want to address a falsity that has been sown among the church. It's been atrocious. There is a statement that has been attached to St. Francis Assisi's, which is quoted thus. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now, it's interesting that in my studies, none of his disciples and none of the biographers that have done study on him attribute this quote to Francis Assisi. They do agree that he quoted saying, all the friars should preach by their deeds. And he was saying this to rebuke hypocrisy. And one quote that hit my heart also, he's quoted for and saying, and it's this. It is of no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is in preaching. I'm trying to think of, of how I, I might have said it here, but um, it, it's this. Um, um, your talk talks and your walk talks but your, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Huh? You really want me to say that again? <laughs> I had a hard time saying it the first time. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> you know, no, I'm not going to do it again. Stop it. But it's just, you know, it, so there is truth to that. There is truth to that. That if I'm going to preach the gospel, I ought to be living out the gospel. Because if I preach the gospel and I don't live out the gospel, then I'm preaching a false gospel. If my life is not moved by what I'm saying, then what I'm saying will not move anybody else. But I do got to say it. Even though... Aaron and Tiffany have gotten in front of us and said that their ministry is going to be moving on. 
they know that the cows don't come home until the gospel is preached. Because cows aren't going to save anyone. And I know this to be true because God sent me out to Holland for nine years, and guess where I was preaching? Among the cows. But people of God, we need to realize that this quote has been used to move the church from the great commission to the great omission of discipleship. And that's the problem. That's why as I sat in, um, uh, why I sat in Fountain Street Church last night, one of the oldest churches in our community built back in the 1800s a Baptist church that was preaching the gospel slowly turned over the years and is no longer a church. That is why denominations are struggling with moral issues and trying to make darkness light and light darkness because we have... We have neglected the commission, the great commission, go ye therefore into all the world. Don't you, don't you sneer at me. Don't you turn away. Don't you fall asleep on me. This is the most important thing. It is what makes a church vital. It is. It, here at the pier... We believe this truth, that all people are leaders, because we're all called to lead people to Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're poor. I don't care if you are rich. I don't care if you're educated. I don't care if you feel like you're not. I don't care about your past and what the church has done in your life. I don't care what... Um, that you weren't raised in the Lord. You're here. You're hearing his voice. You're hearing his call to go out and to share the gospel with Jesus, with the world. You said, now, Wayne, is that really true? Well, if it wasn't, I wouldn't have this. Guess what it's filled with? Words. It's filled with words. It's filled with words that, that Moses spoke. Words that Noah spoke. As, as Jude told us that, that he was a preacher of righteousness. The words that Abraham spoke as he went to a land that he did not know. The words that David spoke and wrote, words that 16 prophets of old, four large prophets, 12 minor prophets, spoke because God spoke to his people. And those words speak today. I was, um, I, was, I was doing my own personal study and I came across a, a passage that said, 
that with the priests, that every one of their sins would affect their ministry. I went upstairs and I said, Sue, you and I got to talk. There's some things I need to talk to you about. His words are speaking today to us. And he's calling you to be a preacher. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptizing them under the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. People have been bored by those words for too long. That is the commission of God calling us. And if we don't listen, our two lamp will be taken away. As lamps are being taken away, church after church after church. I don't have a lot of time. We have a lot going on today. But people of God... There's three things that you need to know, and I'm just, I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. You, there's three things you need to know. One is that, listen to me, the word has gone out before you. Wherever you go, there was a mobile home park where Alex was, and that word had gone out to her heart long before anybody came and brought her here. Is that true, Alex? God talking to you? Yes. Psalm 19 says that though they have no voice, though they have no speech, yet each day their voice and their speech pulls forward. This is what makes the gospel possible, is the fact that God is already speaking. I know you're scared. I know that you're nervous to go, but God's word is speaking because God is the first cause. He's the first cause. You are not here because you were smart enough to be here. You're here because the first cause spoke to your heart. The first cause said, I'm God. See me in all creation. See me in, 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 in moments in your life in which I break into your soul. Don't harden your heart. I'm breaking in. Listen. If that's true, then what Chuck is doing in leading us out, he's only leading us to a place where the word of God is already going out. So you don't have to be nervous talking on that door. You may get the opportunity of being in the driver's seat, passenger seat, the passenger seat to watch God unfold what he's been doing in that person's life for years. And you might be the one which you get the opportunity to pray with him and to walk with him. And so, yes, it says in here that the speech for, for uh, that have they heard? Yes. The second question is, have they understood? Yes. 
How do we know they understood? How do we know? What what are two things that happened because they understood? They became envious and they became angry. Yeah. We have to understand that when we speak the word of God, that we're an aroma, either an aroma of death unto those who are perishing or aroma of life unto those who are being saved. Don't you want to smell good? Why are you keeping it to yourself? I was reading the Old Testament. Remember when they, when they gathered the manna? You know, what, what's the name of the manna? It's, what is this? <laughs> what is it? I love that because that's evangelism. We don't get this. How do I get this? That, that, that God leads me to speak to somebody and their heart is moved and they begin to feed on the true bread of life. That is an awesome miracle that God has given to us. But remember what happened when they gathered too much to themselves? Yeah, it became maggots and it smelled. It's happening to the church today. It's happening in some of our lives. You know why there's a smell in your relationship? Because you're not surrendered to the Lord. You're not giving the Lord first place in your life. You're not trusting him and saying, "This I have a purpose. He, he said it to me today. Or he sang it. You know, we have a purpose. And that's that we're nobody telling everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Stop trying to be somebody. It smells. Be okay with being nobody. But, and, and you need to be because when, when, the, when they become angry, when they become jealous of the fact that you're you're light. You're not buried down by the cares of the world. You're, there's something different about you because Jesus has saved your soul. And it's going to make some people angry because they want you to be buried. They want you to, they want the church to die. Because then it proves it has nothing to share. And that's where they want it. And so, yes, they understand. They understood. That's why they crucified Jesus. That's why they chased after Paul. That's why they killed all the prophets, sawed some of them in half, filleted some of their skin off. Because they understood. And what is God doing today? the end of that passage. What is God doing today? Listen to me. You who yet not have surrendered. He's talking to a people that weren't looking for him. He's talking to you who were not the original chosen people of God. He's talking to you who were not seeking for him. You were going along, and all of a sudden, he T-boned you. (laughs) 
Just as an announcement, David McIntyre told me that, that if ever God's going to bring a woman to his life, she's going to have to T-bone him. So if you know of a single woman, have him T-bone uh, Dave, and we'll be all set. <laughs> but that's how our God works. He T-bones us. And he comes to a people that weren't looking for him. That's the miracle of it. He comes to people that weren't seeking him. That's the miracle of it. And every single one of us was that people. And guess what? Does he ever give up? He never gives up. Even to his chosen people, he still extends his hand out to them every day. And how do we know that? Because this little place the size of New Jersey is world-focused and the world hates them. And they are, they are proving the Bible true, if you'll read it. It's in Zechariah 14, verse 2, that, that there'll be nations that will come against Israel. They will, they will come and they will take half of the people and they will rape the women that happen? Yes, it did. And they will fight. Nations will fight against them. And then the Lord says, and I will rise up and I will battle against the nations. You are seeing now. Okay. Prophecy is this way. You've got to understand prophecy. Prophecy can be like a molehill, like something that's happening in the near future because there was that in Israel's life, correct? They were Babylon, Assyria, Philistines. There were those wars. But it's also a large mountain that there is something coming that is going to culminate this prophet's teaching. And that is the end times. That is the end times. And God is still extending his hand to the Israelites and he's still reaching out to them. And he's still coming to you and me, a non-Jew, a Gentile, not called by God, as chosen people originally. And yet because of the Israelites, Israelites falling away from the Lord has made room for us as Gentiles. Romans tells us that there will be a day where the last Gentile will be saved. How about today you become that one? How about you be the next Gentile that's saved? How about you and I going out to that next Gentile and share Christ with them and that's saved? Because there's going to be a day where the last Gentile will believe and the end will be here. People of God, I'm going to end. I know for some of you, this really doesn't sink in. I know for some of you, you're not listening. But I know some of you are. And I know some of you, your hearts are warming. And you're feeling the Holy Spirit witnessing to you. I've been sitting on the, on the sideline doing nothing, caught up in my own sin, caught up in my own life, doing my own thing, and it's time for a change. Can you, can you promise me something? Don't push it down. Don't harden your heart. Don't not listen. Let him move today.
Because there's power in the spoken word. There is power in God's word. Amen? Stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we come, um, if you did not send preachers, nobody would hear. If no one could hear, no one could believe. If no one could believe, no one could call on the Lord. And if no one calls on the Lord, no one could be saved. Heavenly Father, I just pray that our hearts are beating with the fervor of your spirit. That we as a church, as a family, say, done. It's done. I've been silent for too long. I've been sitting on my own manner for too long, and it stinks. It's time for me to stand up and speak the word of God to someone today. Lord, my heart was so heavy last night when I was in Fountain Street Church. This beautiful structure that was dead, full of dead men's bones, Lord, my heart is heavy that in many mainline denominations as well as our own, the biggest war is on making darkness light and lightness dark. My heart is heavy that we live in a community where there's so much brokenness. This week I heard of a, of a young nephew that took his life. Father, my heart is heavy, and so is yours. Father, the picture of those on the mountain, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, is a picture of a runner that's coming back from from a war or coming back from uh, a slavery encampment and bringing news to the king that there has been victory won at the front, that there are people that are set free. Father, that's exactly what you said in Isaiah 61. The reason you came is to proclaim the good news of the Lord, to bind up the brokenhearted, that people may come out of the darkness and the prisoners can be set free. And so, Father, I want to be nobody that tells everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Heavenly Father, let that be the mantra of every one of our hearts. Because it's time in this land for Jesus. 
to be made famous again. We love you, and we give you glory in the name of your son, Jesus. And of God's people said,